0: The Successful Servant Leader podcast is all about the pioneer woman on her unique journey of becoming and being who God has called her to be. The divine connection between the wealth mindset and success in every area of our lives can no longer be denied. Successful Servant Leader teaches us how to increase our confidence and strategically and effectively serve while in the pursuit of success in our lives, our faith, and our businesses. I'm your host, Victoria Grace, and welcome to the show. Hey family, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of this amazing movement. I am so glad that you are here and I am super excited to get right into today's show it is going to be a little bit longer than our one last week if you already looked at the title today so you already kind of know what's up if you know you know if you don't i'm gonna get you hip don't worry but if you're new here welcome go ahead and make sure that you hit that subscribe button on whatever app you're listening on you will get a fresh episode on either the wealthy place healthy behavior change and any current topics related to the modern day servant leader every single week. Y'all already know, I want to say happy new week. I pray that your last week was off the chain. And if it wasn't, let's do what we can together to make sure that this week is. And so today's biblical truth or our BT, y'all already know we got to have our BT for the week. It's based off of Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. And it says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So together, please say it with me, declare this with me today. Nothing is impossible for me. And that's just that. And that's what you have to believe, okay? I need you to stand firmly on that. I need you to believe that you have the power and the authority through Christ to mentally and physically align yourself with God's truth regularly and consistently, not just on occasion, okay? We're not doing this just on occasion. We're doing this on a regular basis, more than one time a day, okay? Our daily biblical truths are brought to us by successful servant leaders, The Pursuit, Our free networking community and clarion call to servant leaders worldwide to emerge and be the pioneers God has called us to be y'all already know the pursuit is always free literally you just have to make the choice to do it. And so this week we do not have any tea to spill because like I said, I want to get right into today's episode. And so you see that the title of today's episode is Modern Pioneer Woman of Her Time. We are continuing our Black History Month series and we will be talking about Shirley Anita Chisholm today. And I have just been so excited to learn more about her and to really just get to really know who she is. You know, a lot of these names in black history, you guys, we know about, but we don't really know them. And at least for me, I don't know if everybody can relate but I know a lot of names. Oh, I've heard that name before. Oh, I know that this name is associated with this, but I don't really know too much about that individual person and everything they actually did to not only aid in the advancement of black people within our communities and within our states, but especially in Shirley Chisholm's case, to aid in our advancement across the country. And some of you may or may not know this, but I wanted to be a judge for the longest time i absolutely loved judge shows judge maybelline was my girl okay judge judy she's still my girl and divorce court if you know you know So really quick story time, even though I knew minimal things about Shirley Chisholm, there was one quote that really stood out to me and I, getting prepared for this podcast episode, it was so amazing for me to be able to think back on, but to get into organizations in college, a lot of them you had to apply and kind of had to maybe go through like a process. And so one of the organizations that I applied for, I had to write a letter. And so in my letter, I used used one of Shirley Chisholm's quotes. And back in 2015, when I had to write this letter, I had no idea that God would have me doing a podcast or anything to do with servant leadership, let alone a successful servant leader, the podcast, the academy, and all of these things. But the quote is, service is the rent that you pay for your room on this earth. How beautiful is that? Like, if you know, you know, if you've been with me for a while, you know that I am all about the servant leadership model in a corporate America, within your household, within your business. That is what I'm all about. And that is how successful servant leader was even born. I took the liberty to take that negative connotation of people pleasing or always wanted to do things for other people. I took my power back in that and went to God with it with it and he gave me the fact that servant leadership is not something that you should feel bad about servant leadership is not something that you should feel belittled about servant leadership is a place of power it's a place of authority and it's a place of grace as a servant leader you're able to lead while serving others but you still have that aroma that aura of power and authority and grace and you're able to lead in a way in which you actually see effective and unique and amazing results and so I just thought that was absolutely amazing that this we're here right now in 2022 and I'm thinking back on what I had to write in like 2015 and service is the rent that you pay for your room on this earth period so let's get right into learning more about Shirley Anita Chisholm. Shirley Anita St. Hill was born on November 30th, 1924 in Brooklyn, New York. She was the oldest of four daughters of Charles St. Hill, a factory laborer from Ganya, and Ruby Seal St. Hill, a seamstress from Barbados. For part of her childhood, Shirley lived in Barbados on her maternal grandparents' farm, receiving a British education while her parents worked during the Great Depression. The most apparent manifestation of her West Indies roots was the slight, clipped British accent she retained throughout her life. She attended public schools in Brooklyn and graduated with high marks. Accepted to Oberlin and Vassar Colleges, Shirley attended Brooklyn College on scholarship and graduated cum laude with a BA in sociology in 1946. From 1946 to 1953, Chisholm worked as a nursery school teacher, and then as the director of two daycare centers. She married Conrad Q. Chisholm, a private investigator, in 1949. Three years later, Shirley earned an MA in early childhood education from Columbia University. She served as an educational consultant for New York City's Division of Daycare from 1959 to 1964. In 1964, she was elected to the New York State Legislature. She was the second African-American woman to serve in Albany. A court-ordered redistricting that carved a New Brooklyn congressional district out of Chisholm's Bedford neighborhood convinced her to run for Congress. The influential Democratic political machine, headed by Stanley Stott, declared its intention to send an African-American candidate from the new district to the House. The endorsement of the machine usually resulted in a primary victory, which was tantamount to election in the heavily Democratic area. In the primary, Chisholm faced three African-American challengers, Civil Court Judge Thomas R. Jones, a former district leader and New York assemblyman, Dolly Robinson, a former district co-leader, and William C. Thompson, a well-financed state senator. Shirley roamed the new district in a sound truck that pulled up outside housing projects while she announced, Ladies and gentlemen, this is Fighting Shirley Chisholm coming through. Chisholm capitalized on her personal campaign style. I have a way of talking that does something to people, she noted. I have a theory about campaigning. You have to let them feel you. In the primary in mid-June 1968, Chisholm defeated Thompson, her nearest competitor, by about 800 votes in an election categorized by light voter turnout. In the general election, Shirley faced Republican-liberal James Farmer, one of the principal figures of the civil rights movement, a co-founder of the Congress of Racial Equality, and an organizer of the Freedom Riders in the early 1960s. The two candidates held similar positions on housing, employment, and education issues, and both opposed the Vietnam War. Farmer charged that the Democratic Party took black voters for granted and thought they had us in their pockets. We must be in a position to use our power as a swinging vote. But the election turned on the issue of gender. Farmer hammered away, arguing that women have been in the driver's seat in black communities for too long and that the district needed a man's voice in Washington, not that of a little school teacher. Basically, y'all, he was coming for Chisholm like she was just a little school teacher, okay? And Chisholm, whose campaign model was unbought and unbossed, met that charge head on using Farmer's rhetoric to highlight discrimination against women and explain her unique qualifications. There were Negro men in office here before I came in five years ago, but they didn't deliver, Chisholm countered. People came and asked me to do something. I'm here because of the vacuum. Chisholm portrayed Farmer as an outsider He lived in Manhattan and used her fluent Spanish to appeal to the growing Hispanic population in the Bedford neighborhood. The deciding factor, however, was the district's overwhelming liberal tilt. More than 80 percent of the voters were registered Democrats. Chisholm won the general election by a resounding 67 percent of the vote. Shirley's freshman class included two African-Americans of future prominence, Louis Stokes of Ohio and William Lacey Clay, Sr. of Missouri. This boosted the number of African-Americans in the House from six to nine, the largest total up to that time. Chisholm was the only new woman to enter Congress in 1969. Of course, I don't think I had to say it, but her welcome in the house was not warm due to her refusal to abide by long-standing house expectations for first term members to fly under the radar. She said, I have no intention of just sitting quietly and observing. I intend to focus attention on the nation's problems. And she did just that, lashing out against the Vietnam War in her very first floor speech on March 26, 1969. Chisholm vowed to vote against any defense appropriation bill until the time comes when our values and priorities have been turned right side up again. She was assigned to the Committee on Agriculture, a decision she appealed directly to the House Speaker John W. McCormick. McCormick basically told her to be a good soldier, at which point Shirley brought her complaint to the House floor. She was reassigned to the Veterans Affairs Committee, which, though not one of her top choices, was more relevant to her district's makeup. From 1971 to 1977, she served on the Committee on Education and Labor, having won a place on that paddle with the help of Hale Boggs of Louisiana, whom she had endorsed as Majority Leader. She also served on the Committee on Organization, Study, and Review known as the Hansen Committee, whose recommended reforms for the selection of committee chairmen were adopted by the Democratic Caucus in 1971. From 1977 to 1981, Chisholm served as secretary of the Democratic Caucus. She eventually left her education committee assignment to accept a seat on the Rules Committee in 1977, becoming the first black woman and the second woman ever to serve on that how, that powerful panel. Chisholm also was a founding member of the Congressional Black Caucus in 1971 and the Congressional Women's Caucus in 1977. Okay, honey. Shirley continued to work for the causes she had exposed as a community activist. She sponsored increases in federal funding to extend the hours of daycare facilities and a guaranteed minimum annual income for families. She was a fierce defender of federal assistance for education, serving as a primary backer of a national school lunch bill and leading her colleagues in overriding President Ford's veto on this measure. However, Shirley did not view herself as a lawmaker and innovator in the field of legislation. In her efforts to address the needs of the have-nots, she She often chose to work outside the established system. At times, she criticized Democratic leadership in Congress as much as she did the Republicans in the White House. She was an explorer and a trailblazer rather than a legislative artisan. True to this approach, Chisholm declared her candidacy for the 1972 Democratic nomination for president, charging that none of the other candidates represented the interests of black and minority voters and the inner city poor. She campaigned across the country and succeeded in getting her name on 12 primary ballots. Y'all, this is 1972. She campaigned across the country and succeeded in getting her name on 12 primary ballots, becoming as well-known outside her Brooklyn neighborhood as she was in it. At the Democratic National Convention, she received 152 delegate votes or 10% of the total, a respectable showing giving her modest funding. A 1974 Gallup poll listed her as one of the top 10 most admired women in America, ahead of Jacqueline Kennedy and Coretta Scott King, and tied with Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi for sixth place. But while the presidential bid enhanced her national profile, it also stirred controversy among her House colleagues. Her candidacy split the CBC. Many Black male colleagues felt she had not consulted them or that she had betrayed the group's interests by trying to create a coalition on women, Hispanics, white liberals, and welfare recipients. Pervasive gender discrimination, Chisholm noted, cut across racial lines. Black male politicians are no different from white male politicians. This woman thing is so deep. I found it out in this campaign if I never knew it before. Her presidential campaign also strained relations with other women members of Congress. By 1976, Shirley faced a stiff challenge from within her own party primary by a longtime political rival, New York City Councilman Samuel D. Wright. Born and raised in Bedford, Wright was a formidable opponent who had represented Brooklyn in the New York Assembly for a number of years before winning a seat on the city council. He criticized Chisholm for her absence in the House, brought on by the rigors of her presidential campaign, and for what he said was a lack of connection with the district. Shirley countered by playing on her national credentials and her role as a reformer of Capitol Hill culture. I think my role is to break new ground in Congress, she noted. She insisted that her strength was in bringing legislative factions together. I can talk with legislatures from the South, the West, all over. They view me as a national figure and that makes me more acceptable. Two weeks later, Chisholm turned back right and Hispanic political activist Luz Vega in the Democratic primary, winning 54% of the vote to Wright's 36% and Vega's 10%. She won the general election handily with 83% of the vote. From the late 1970s onward, Brooklyn Democrats speculated that Shirley was losing interest in her House seat. Her name was widely floated as a possible candidate for several jobs related to education, including president of the City College of New York and chancellor of the New York City public school system. In 1982, Chisholm declined to seek re-election. Shirley Chisholm would like to have a little life of her own, she told the Christian Science Monitor, citing personal reasons for her decision to leave the house. She wanted to spend more time with her second husband, Arthur Hardwick Jr., a New York state legislature she had married about six months after divorcing Conrad Chisholm in 1977. Other reasons, too, factored into Chisholm's decision to leave the House. She had grown disillusioned over the conservative turn the country had taken with the election of President Ronald Reagan in 1980. Also, there were tensions with people on her side of the political fence, particularly African-American politicians who, she insisted, misunderstood her efforts to build alliances. While her rhetoric about racial inequality could be passionate at times, Chisholm's actions toward the white establishment in Congress were often conciliatory. Chisholm maintained that many members of the black community did not understand the need for negotiation with white politicians. We still have to engage in compromise, the highest of all arts, she noted blacks can't do things on their own nor can whites when you have black racists and white racists it's very difficult to build bridges between communities after leaving congress in january 1983 she co-founded the national political congress of black women and campaigned for jesse jackson's presidential bids in 1984 and 1988 She also taught at Mount Holyoke College in 1983. Though nominated as U.S. Ambassador to Jamaica by President William J. or Bill Clinton, Chisholm declined due to ill health. She settled in Palm Coast, Florida, where she wrote and lectured and died on January 1st, 2005, in Ormond Beach, Florida. Wow, just wow, if... Shirley Chisholm is not a modern-day pioneer woman of her time. For you, then I don't know what is. I truly hope that you guys are enjoying this, and we're not done just yet. I want to talk just a little bit about Shirley Chisholm's legacy and how she's still making advancements to this day, even though she has passed away. In February 2005, a documentary film, Shirley Chisholm, 72, Unbought and Unbossed, was aired on U.S. Public Television. In 2014, the first biography for her for an adult audience was published. Shirley Chisholm, Catalyst for Change by Brooklyn College. And her speech, given in 1970 called For the Equal Rights Amendment, was listed as number 91 in American Rhetoric's Top 100 Speeches of the 20th Century. The Shirley Chisholm Project on Brooklyn Women's Activism exists at Brooklyn College to promote research projects and programs on women and to preserve her legacy, In January 2018, Governor Andrew Cuomo announced his intent to build the Shirley Chisholm State Park, a 407-acre state park along 3.5 miles of the Jamaica Bay coastline adjoining the Pennsylvania Avenue and Fountain Avenue landfills south of Spring Creek Park's Gateway Center section. The park opened to the public on July 2, 2019, And lastly, but certainly not least, a monument of Chisholm is planned for the entrance to Prospect Park in Brooklyn by Parkside Avenue Station. I feel honored to be able to bring this information to you guys. But one thing I do want to say is that as black people and whether you're black or not listening to this, if you are a person of color um, or if you are someone that is white listening to this, we should not be ashamed or afraid to look into the history of our country. You guys know all the time that I talk about looking into the history of your own families, looking into your own genealogies, because when you look into your own history, you're able to pinpoint where somebody went wrong. You're able to pinpoint what worked and what didn't. You're able to pinpoint where, somebody probably did not follow the will of God or if they thought they were following the will of God they didn't and somehow a generational curse got attached somehow this bondage came attached to this lineage somehow something happened and when we look back on these prominent people in African-American history during this month and throughout the entire year really because every day should be black history month and this is something that I'm super passionate about and not just the part on skin color, but the part that connects us to the kingdom of God, the part that connects us all to Christ. That's really what I'm passionate about and the part that is going to get us all sent to heaven and that's going to break these generational curses to help us truly build generational wealth. It's women like Shirley Chisholm who stood up and said, you know what? Maybe I don't necessarily have somebody who did this before me or maybe I have people that might be afraid or tell me not to do this because they might be afraid to do it or they might be afraid for me to do it or maybe I'm a woman in a man's world it doesn't matter if that man is black or white I'm going to step forward and do this because I have a passion for it I believe that it is my purpose and I believe that is what God told me to do that is what servant leadership is all about that is what successful servant leader is all about I am so excited to continue to share with you guys what God is going to do with this community but y'all know the stuff on the business back end got to get taken care of first I can't just be throwing stuff out there no matter how excited I am to share it with you guys. I have to wait and I have to be patient. And I'm so grateful that you guys are on this journey with me. I truly pray that your new knowledge about Mrs. Jarena Lee and Miss Shirley Chisholm is helping you to truly expand the concept of modern day pioneer woman of her time. And so, like I said, I pray that this episode was a blessing to you. Make sure that you share this with somebody who could definitely use this type of information. Share this with somebody that is a modern day woman of her time. Okay, Make sure that you also are subscribed to the podcast and leave a review if you feel led to leave a review and I will see you guys in the next episode of the successful servant leader podcast